0: hello and welcome to the content minds my name is ryan broderick i am back from a much needed vacation and it doesn't seem like we've missed anything
1: um uh i am luke bailey i do not feel like i've been on vacation as (laughs) since since the last time we spoke there has been an awful lot of news i uh the uk brexited on christmas eve Oh, did you know, who, oh, you probably missed this. No, I'm kidding. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we finally, yeah, we finally got the trade deal on Christmas Eve, which was a super fun way to do Christmas Eve. Um, Nothing really was,
0: happened here. Yeah. I mean, oh, there was a guy who tweeted about beans, but that was kind of it.
1: That Yeah. 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 You guys have been quiet.
0: Recording this on Thursday. Uh, we typically record on Wednesdays, but Wednesday of this week was a little crazy um, because yep. the thing that basically every single person working in the internet culture, disinformation, radicalization space would, has been saying was going to happen forever finally happened. Trump supporters uh, s- basically tried to overthrow the U.S. government yesterday things were a little wild um luke how 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 are you doing with this
1: I'm, i'm 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 it's really hard to 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 deal with and it's really hard to kind of put into context because as with all these things you don't know how serious this is until it stops being a thing yes like an attempted coup usually leads to more attempted coups one of which will eventually be successful yes. that's that's how coups work and it's like it's like being in a car uh and I, you know I, I you when you i've been you in dri- cars before yes no when you learned to drive you were straight edge right you used to drive people home because you were
0: oh man i wasn't ready to share that but yes i was straight edge <laughs> in high school and my main job was designated driver and i drove a pickup truck with a stick shift uh that was right. uh, about 30 years old when i got it um
1: right so but but when you learn to drive, and I did this because I used to, I learned to drive in the English countryside, so we had lots of like dark roads and stuff. And you and you know, if you're driving home, you you start to like push it a little bit. You drive a little bit faster, and you see how fast you can drive. Uh, and then suddenly you hit a point where you you slightly fuck up, and you don't nothing happens, nothing bad happens, but you sort of go, "Whoa, that was actually that was a little bit hairy." You know, the the, the you don't turn quite as quickly as you think you're going to turn, and you a wheel hits a ditch or the back end skids out or something.
0: Oh no! I mean, a couple of weeks ago. I drove on a Brazilian highway and the minimum speed was 120 kilometers. So I right. know exactly okay. what you're talking about.
1: Exactly. But it's that thing of when you drive fast and then you suddenly realize, "Ooh, I'm actually going a bit fast here. And you kind of notice it because, but the thing is, is when it goes wrong, like if you kept driving at that speed, eventually it would go very wrong. And when it goes very wrong, it doesn't, you don't like gently roll to a stop and go, Ooh, that, that was a bit fast. You die. Like everything explodes, there's a fire and this burning twisted metal, and all this sort of stuff, and that feels like what is happening at the moment, which is yeah, it felt simultaneously like vaguely silly almost last night. there were moments of it that felt like so strange and so surreal, like mm. fucking Q Shaman guy standing there with his uh, fur hat and his horns right he feels silly, but it is because it hasn't you know we've hit the crash barriers so the car's like righted itself we've just not been going quite fast enough but it is that moment where it's like okay the it's gonna happen eventually it's ha- we're on that course eventually it's not gonna hold we're gonna skid off and you keep accelerating it's, it's gonna get very very bad very very fast but you don't know how bad it's gonna get until it really goes wrong
0: i know what you mean i the the way i had a similar thought last night as well watching everything on unfold on twitter which was that When you you and I used to talk about internet traffic and and metrics and we were looking at that like every day because of our job, there were these moments where you would say like, oh, okay, this thing didn't do very well. It didn't get a lot of readers. And then you zoom out the graph and you realize that actually you're in a spike, but you've dipped within the spike. And then you zoom out further and you realize that you're actually trending upwards. It's sort of like this idea where – if you, if you don't get the full picture, it does. you can't really understand exactly how far you're progressing. And the way I've been thinking about this is like looking at yesterday, okay, there was a spike where it got really, really violent and there was deaths and it was incredibly terrifying. And then it sort of petered off and it was over and we're like, okay, things are over. But if you look at this event yesterday on a graph that includes Charlottesville, all of a sudden we're talking about a much bigger spike. We're not talking about a bunch of uh, completely um, uh, discordant groups uh, bickering with each other in like a public park in a small city. We're talking about a coordinated siege of the Capitol building. And so so if you think about these groups and how they coordinate offline, it's – it's a much more frightening picture of a group of people becoming more and more successful at toppling and dismantling institutions, and breaking through the barriers of like reality and and, and sort of d- doing that. And that's that that that's sort of I guess my major takeaway from yesterday is that
1: like they're winning, right? And this is this is something that I thought about with the with respect oh. to the institutions, which is that. We talked about this, I don't know, probably, I think immediately after the election, uh, we had a kind of, we talked about the idea of like, have the institutions held? And the takeaway from that was broadly, yes, but we've seen where the gaps are. Having watched it yesterday is something that really reminded me, particularly once the House started voting on the uh, electoral college votes afterwards, was that, you know, institutions aren't bulwarks. They can be rotted from the inside. And I think that that was something that really stressed me out, particularly the, there were shots that came out of the, um, well, out of the rotunda where basically they were, they were taking selfies with the police were taking selfies with the protesters. Or yeah. The, the I saw, or the,
0: I saw the clip on a uh, baked Alaska's D live stream of yeah. them taking selfies with cops. Yeah.
1: But there was other stuff. They were just broadly being friendly with them. And I think it's worth pointing out that they should do more of that with more protesters. Like it, You can go back and forth on whether or not you think the policing was good, and, you know, if the police have two jobs, one is to protect the thing they're supposed to be protecting, which they didn't do brilliantly, and the other is to stop people dying, which they did, nearly did. One person died, three additional people died through medical emergencies, but, you know, not based on the police. Like, I I think that the result yesterday would have been significantly worse had the police opened fire.
0: I think there would have been more casualties on both
1: sides. Um, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I th- I think it's good that we avoided that.
0: I want to I want to point out though, so yeah, and I, I want to establish like right off the top that like I'm not gonna like play around with any sort of like this was planned or the cops are in on it kind of thing. I I, no, I don't think it was. I think there is a large chunk of police officers that support Trump and are white supremacists, and I don't think that's a, a shocking thing to say in any means. I also don't believe that the police force was able to set up some sort of weird thing. I I've seen the video where it looks like the cops are letting people through, but I've also seen a video from a different side of the Capitol building where it's a full on battle and they, they literally take down a police line. So I, yeah,
1: I, I also, I think like, you know, there is actually, this is good policing in these areas and it's the sort of policing that should be used more with other protests. And it's weird that it's only with this one, where basically, if the police are outnumbered, if you decide to have a pitched battle with someone, people get hurt. If you essentially walk back slowly, you actually take the heat out of it. And like that, there, there are, like, policing is a complicated thing. And I thought that generally, given the police were massively outnumbered, they did a not terrible job. Um, like, I, I'm probably in, in a distinct minority there in because, the, you know, they did make it into the Capitol building and stuff. But we need to mention, like, make clear that that is the result of the protesters or the, the insurrectionists or the rioters or the coupers or whatever we're calling this. Um, it is what they did. Oh, uh, um, I think
0: the academic term is coup crew. Um, the coup crew, the okay. coup crew yeah. uh, broke through and tried to say <laughs> that very fast. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that only one person died as a direct result of the violence yesterday is an incredible thing uh at the same time i am comfortable saying that the police involved completely failed uh in every possible way and i think we can't really talk about the policing yesterday without acknowledging the like disproportionate use of force that those very same police officers used on black lives matter protesters not even six months ago. Um, I mean, this,
1: this is extremely my point, is that I, I dislike the idea, and it's felt a little bit like people thought the police should have opened fire yesterday. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. no they shouldn't have opened fire on Black Lives Matter protesters. That's I, what should have happened, not they should have opened fire yesterday.
0: I saw that going around. There's like a whole section of like tanky Twitter that was like, they should have just like shot everybody. And it's like, hmm. no, they shouldn't shoot anybody. It's not better. It's not <laughs> yeah. any better.
1: Um... But I think what I, what, I was, what I was coming to was the idea that look, when it comes to queues, and I think that we are close, we're closer yesterday than we than any major Western democracy has been in a very long time. What matters is who has the military. That that's it. That, that's the deal. It's happened in every country where there's, there's been a coup. It's happened in every country with an insurrection. If the military switches sides, that's the ball game. The thing that worries me, and I tweeted about this earlier, which was. I find it very hard to believe that there are not police forces which are more on the side of the protesters saying that this thing is rigged and should be overturned. Like probably not the DC police force because the DC area is like insanely democratic it's like 90% democratic so it probably isn't the case. But there are police forces and they they've talked to people they like people have interviewed people and they're like yeah I'm a police chief from I, actually there was a police chief i saw that one yeah there. yeah yeah and and so there is new hampshire chief. i think he was like a new hampshire yeah.
0: police chief who was like oh, i agree that it was rigged but you shouldn't be doing any violence and it's like okay
1: yeah and it's like hmm. <laughs> uh, and obviously the woman who was uh was killed by the police was an air force captain so this stuff is in the military and i think and this is what i'm kind of getting back to with the idea that these institutions are rotting from the inside it's not like eventually it hits a war- high watermark and overrides r- the police, eventually the police will be brought about from the inside. And I'm confident that if, he, if this happened in an extremely Republican state, and I'm not going to name one, uh, then you, and you have a police force that is whiter than the average population, that is um, more authoritarian than the average population, and more rural than the average population, because that kind of is what police forces are now, because they often come in from outside, that police force is likely to essentially just believe that this is the right thing and the same goes for the military and I think that there is a potential reality there that will happen in the future where if the trend continues at a certain point some people are going to look to the military to keep the military with the police to keep protesters out of a building and the guns are going to be pointed the wrong way and I think that that is the thing that we need to deal with equally I also think that if you, once you go up the military you have you know, many commanders there who are very smart people and sensible people who are like hey we're actually not going to do this but there's not many of them. No. In that- There's probably far less
0: pe- than you wish.
1: <laughs> yes. And if one or two people in the wrong jobs turn around and say, hmm, actually, we kind of do support President Trump because he protects the military, then then there's, a, there's, a, there's an immediate problem there. And it ne- very nearly happened yesterday in that Trump kind of did a very Trump thing, went ha- full hands off and was like, we'll just see what happens. And yeah. Pence apparently, reportedly, had to step in to- and the National Guard went out. If that commander of the National Guard was a full-on Trump accolade, would he have taken that water? I don't know. And that's a political appointment. I mean, there was a
0: story like I think two weeks ago, maybe that a bunch of Secret Service members are being replaced to take care of Biden because they can't be trusted to have not radicalized to Trump. Yeah. Um. And they there is a humongous QAnon population within the U.S. military, yep, it, there is this and, – and that's the thing. And that's the thing that I think was really interesting about yesterday is, you know, I've been to my fair share of Trump protests. I've been to my fair share of far-right protests around the world. They have this, like, Comic-Con-esque feel to them. And what's interesting about Comic-Cons, if you've never been, is, like, if you go to one – you can really immediately see what's popular it's like okay there so it's a big year for attack on titan okay there's a ton of attack on titan cosplayers there's a ton of like walking dead cosplayers like you kind of get what the internet chatter is immediately by based on how people are dressed yesterday i think was the same thing where you know last year I was pepper sprayed and tear gassed by Boston police in in downtown Boston and I, in a super happy fun America protest.
1: Look, I mean, yeah, man. Look, you you can't celebrate Patriots wins like that. Like, Sorry, you, I just I love Tom to Brady excited. so
0: much that I just want to fight cops. Um, but you know, I was in that protest. I was surrounded by people dressed up like Pepe the Frog. People who were following Milo Yiannopoulos around. There was this sort of like weird. Outsider feel to it. There was no almost no QAnon presence whatsoever, and then there was like a ton of just like your normal average racist white people Republican bullshit, and like tons of like crappy novelty T-shirts. But that's actually probably more of a Boston thing because Bostonians love novelty T-shirts more than like anything in the world. But yesterday was interesting because the aesthetics were much different. You had Proud Boys, you had straight up militias, you had like. A tremendously visible um, white nationalist presence. You, you know, the guy who went viral for wearing the sweatshirt that said like "Camp Auschwitz" on the front. There
1: was a lot of there's a lot of people to, uh, with the come um, acronym, but the six uh, M W E.
0: Yeah, whatever. Um, and what was also interesting to me is that, like, yes, there were Trump flags and there were MAGA hats, but I kind of got the feeling that, like you could have removed trump from the entire equation and nothing would have changed like like to me it feels so much more beyond and i think it's going to start to feel more and more beyond trump as we get further away from this period and that's that's sort of like what yesterday to me felt like which was a test run for a trumpless Movement And it's going to be really confusing in the same way that Occupy was confusing because there was no one in charge in the same way that like Anonymous was confusing or Gamergate was confusing because there's no like central figure. And Trump is the central figure of this. But I think we are we are we are beginning to understand what a a Trump list version of this will be like, especially right now, because as we're recording this, Trump is indefinitely blocked from Facebook in a 12 hour suspension from Twitter and any sort of uh anti uh election results stuff on youtube uh results in a strike so so basically team trump has been like knocked off the internet for a little bit linwood is suspended forever from twitter so like we're, we're we're in this moment where it's like okay like what is this going to look like without trump and i think yesterday was a really good example of like a bunch of qAnon freaks acting like football hooligans while a bunch of militia members storm in with assault weapons and zip ties ready to take down the government with a, like, truck full of, like, homemade explosives. That is what the future is, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, the zip ties were unnerving.
0: All we're missing... I mean, literally, we had a truck explode in Nashville. I was about to say, we're we're, we're basically car bombs away from that period, but then I remembered that literally happened. And I, like, and no one talks about that, like, an entire city block exploded because one of these freaks believed that a 5G tower was going to, like nuclearizes testicles or whatever the fuck those people think like we're we're in the american troubles like
1: the american troubles is actually not a terrible way to express it because it is a a, a unit of people within the country who have a such a fervently held belief that it, it, it's impossible to pull apart i think obviously the difference with the troubles you know I can't, I can't no. <laughs> to,
0: to take to, to put a cap on the metaphor basically just like it's Americans believing that we're being occupied, but we're not being occupied. Like, it's, it's like the, there's no reality to this. Um, friend of the show, friend of my own just personal life, a close friend of mine, Ellie Hall, uh, she's been on a couple episodes, um, was in D.C. yesterday and I was talking to her about it. And, and, and all she could really say about it was just that everything was completely surreal because it was real. And then I obviously told her you should watch the documentary, "Hypernormalization" by Adam Curtis on the BBC. And anyone listening yeah. to this should also lo- listen to it. It's
1: three hours long and it will make you deeply afraid. But uh, we, we watched it once at like midnight.
0: No, you and I never did together. We watched Bitter Lake together.
1: Oh, that was it. And yep.
0: Bitter Lake made me upset for weeks. Um, yeah. No, I just... We are in this moment where... None of this should be happening because there is no reason for it to happen. But an incredibly selfish deranged man who's in charge of the country has forced it to happen. And
1: we can't get out of
0: this like this
1: feedback loop. I mean this this comes back to what the the unique Trump problem is, which is that no one else has ever achieved such high office while also not really caring. Yeah, he just doesn't give a shit. Like he like it, it yeah. It's someone says like, "Mr. President, they're they're rioting on the steps in order to t- overturn the election," and he goes like, "He doesn't say yes. This is my moment. Let's take the power." He doesn't say these guys are bad. He just goes like, "Let's see how it plays out. If 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 they win, then I, I guess I'm still president. If not, I'll pretend I was never interested." Which, you know, what it reminds me most of? That I think the most Trump moment of this entire thing is the bit in one of the very early Republican primary debates, way back in, maybe in 2015, but 2016 certainly, when he walks on stage and doesn't hear his name when he's supposed to go onto the actual stage. Like he's in the like, but they've got a camera down the, down the, the, the corridor and he sort of walks down, thinks that he's, he's not sure whether he's supposed to go out or not. So he sort of waits because he's, that's exactly who he is. He's determined not to be wrong. He doesn't really care about being right. And then I think all the other politicians will pass. Like Ted Cruz or someone walks past and it's like, looks at him weirdly and goes like, what are you doing? He just walks onto the stage and does the wave and everything. And then I think Ben Carson comes out behind him and also like stands and they're like, what, what are we doing? And then everyone else walks out, and like, what, what are you guys doing? But it's exactly that. And he does the exact same thing with this where he's just like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just going to kind of hold off and then hope it works itself out without really committing myself to course, course of action. And it's incredibly damaging for a country to do that. But it's incredibly damaging when the, what he's holding off for is, does this coup work?
0: I mean, that's because he like learned a very important lesson from years of reality TV, which is that being right doesn't matter visually. Being right doesn't matter for propaganda. I mean, to take it back to a subject we know very well, like the Marvel Universe, like you can hint <laughs> at a bunch of things that are going to happen, but you don't need to do any of them. In the yeah. same way, Trump doesn't have to ever be right as long as he's never wrong. It's like breadcrumbs. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's exactly that. And it's 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 frustrating to watch because, yes, yeah, the sort of thing you the sort of thing you should make a decision about. I mean, I don't know. It's It's been so long and we're so deep into this that it's hard to imagine that it, it's ever going to change. But it's also hard to imagine that the people who are there are going to stop believing this.
0: I was talking to... Um like a disinformation radicalization researcher today in DMs, and we were just sort of chatting. And she uh, made the really good point that, like, historically this scale of radicalization does not get undone without some pretty huge tragedy. Like, it doesn't really tend to unravel itself without something. Like... Yeah. We we we've, we've sort of I think you and I in our in our q and episode several months ago we kind of talked about like where it's going and like how it's going to happen and I think the the lesson of yesterday is that like this isn't going to just go away. We're not going to like one day wake up and everyone's gonna be like, "Eh, I'm kind of bored of this." It's it there's there there will have to be a catalysmic moment and and typically historically those moments are not
1: good yeah it's you know people don't stop trying to do coups because the first coup fails
0: no and and i wouldn't even say that yesterday was a failure and if anything yesterday was exactly what they wanted it was visually spectacular i mean it was it, it it was perfect for what they wanted
1: there's three chunks of a coup Uh and you know the ones which are you know taking over the capital mounting a popular insurgency they did that they did not do the has support from the institutions, but they could have they were close to it, so yeah, you know, it was an attempted coup, it didn't work because they they also didn't, there weren't even that many people there, which is what blows my mind.
0: No, very little,
1: like, like I've been on marches and well, I've been on marches, I've covered marches where there's been like 800,000 people there, and it's it's proper, oh, actually, if this crowd turned, then there's no danger of them turning, but if they did turn, yeah, no, they could take it, that's fine. Right. But it was like there weren't enough people there, and they just sort of. This was the other thing that that, that really threw me about it, which was that everyone, the entire way through that, was filming. Well, all right, it was it was pantomime. It let's, was performative insurgency. Let's talk about platforms. <laughs> platforms good right
0: um i think they've all done a spectacular job (laughs) doing the absolute bare minimum after it was important to do anything. so anyone listening to this who follows me on twitter who has ever read any of my writing um shouldn't be surprised when i say that like all like plot like facebook twitter and youtube need to be completely dismantled and like i i actually think that at the very minimum class action lawsuits like i i think that these 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 websites have done a level of social damage around the world but especially in america to a degree that like we've like lost gener- we've like lost a generation of people um and i think yesterday was very clear that like we can't like live like this anymore um and i think the fact that so many people we're at the building specifically to turn it back into content to put it on these platforms. Is all you need to know to the very to the point where there are literal live streams being monetized on YouTube of them smashing shit up inside the Capitol Building. Like this was content. This they made content out of smashing up the Capitol Building.
1: I think there's a really it's a really interesting demonstration of where power lies, and where more importantly, where the people involved in this thing power lies. Like they've made it in like there's a guy sitting in the in the seat of the president of the Senate, which is it's not a seat that many people have sat in officially. And he sits there, but what he's there to do is take a selfie. Uh what they came in to do, there was obviously those those two um female Senate Ides who got the Electoral College boxes out of the uh out of the chamber. But I don't I doubt that had they left them there those protesters would have looked at them. I but don't even think they would have def-
0: understood what they were.
1: Yeah, I don't think they would have done anything with them. Uh they made it into someone made it into Nancy Pelosi's office and her computer had not been like locked. And so there was there was everything there, like all her emails, everything. And they didn't do anything with it, which is a demonstration that they don't really understand what power is. Because power is, you know, taking the capital. But if you take the capital and then go done with this that was fun I'm, I'm heading off it becomes pantomime and it's pantomime because they believe that power exists online and they believe that power exists in your platform presence essentially and i don't know if that's true cloud maybe it's
0: no true. no well, yeah they're doing this for cloud like yeah the this was this was a youtube influencers revolution this was like this was for an explore tab this wasn't to take over a government this was to kickstart your YouTube channel or launch your podcast or uh, get your spot on Newsmax or OAN. Like, that's what's so crazy to me about this. And that's why, like, I have to acknowledge there are a lot of social factors that led to what we saw yesterday. And America has a long history of radicalization, extremism, racism. It is a fucked up place full of very fucked up people and has been since its inception. But also... Yesterday was explicitly organized to make the biggest splash possible on the internet because none of these people have any political idea of what they're trying to accomplish other than going viral.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And when you see, when they do interview people about it, they are angry and they're clearly very angry, but it's not quite clear what they're angry about. They're basically saying we've been conned somehow, but it's not clear what they've been conned out of. A, A second Trump term? Well, so I watch this interview of this kid from
0: New Jersey. He must have been like early 20s or something. And he was covered in blood from the Air Force veteran who had been killed. And he's talking about how they stormed in. And he's basically just like listing all the various felonies that he's committed. Apparently, he got into the scaffolding part of that crew. And they're asking him like, you know, like, what are you mad about? Like, what do you want? And like the first thing that comes out of his mouth is that he was saying, you know, we march and they laugh at us. And it's like, okay, well, that's not not really a thing.
1: Yeah, that was it. He said, I, I saw this one, and he said he was like walking down the street, and someone was like, yeah, they were they were filming us from a window and laughing at us.
0: Yeah, like, and who? it's like, who? Well, they. I mean that that's the thing. It's like uh, with the really conservative members of my family that I've had many conversations about this with over the years. It always boils down to they. It and 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 it's so interesting because it's like. OK, well, who is they? You know, I, I hear they're they're manufacturing the virus. OK, who is they? Uh, I hear they're, you know, they're all, you know, even this this morning I heard, well, it's interesting that the cops uh, didn't stop them. You know, they, 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 they must be trying to do something else that we don't know about. And it's like, well, who is they? Like, who is it? And, and there's never an answer because there is no they. It's 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 this like quintessential American paranoia that like just thrives on the Internet. And is like completely revved up by things like Fox News. And you try to get people to explain it and they, they completely can't. They they can't do it because it's it's nonsense, gibberish, garbage bullshit.
1: <laughs> right. And that's how that's how it becomes this this fury at some someone is screwing us somehow, but we don't know how. Because there must be how you there must be someone yeah, which, screwing you. cuz well, that's be. how you end up with this stuff on like Parla, which was essentially a, a, a load of people saying, I can't believe these Antifa false flag people are doing this and the other half people being like i'm in the capital right now yeah yeah,
0: no yeah. it was amazing it
1: was it was it was incredible to watch this sort of thing where people were essentially walking into the capital insisting that the only people in the capital were false flag like activists it was like w- 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 you're there
0: well, yeah i mean it's like the white woman who got like tear gassed or pepper sprayed or whatever and she's like crying and they're like why did you know what happened she goes well they they pepper sprayed me bec- uh, because we're here for the revolution and and you can see that like she can't fundamentally understand why she shouldn't be allowed to go smash up the capitol building because like she hasn't encountered anything outside of her own filter bubble for so long that like there is no other reality and and the fact that there is this other reality is causing like incredible amounts of psychic damage <laughs> And you can watch these people go through this because they they can't process the fact that this, you know, in a couple days, all the people who you know did extensive interviews about how much damage they caused (laughs) are all going to get arrested by the FBI, Um, because if they're not from Washington D.C., guess what? They've all committed a felony. Uh, Every single person (laughs) drove across state lines with the idea of inciting violence. That is a felony in America. Um, and also in the jurisdiction of the FBI. Welcome to reality, idiots. <laughs> also, they're also fucking you know against masks that they didn't even think about putting a mask on to hide their identities. They're like, it's just it, you you know it's not Antifa because Antifa would have worn masks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, at the very minimum, <laughs> they would have put yeah, on. Yeah, the mask. one thing
1: Antifa are good at is, is hiding their identities.
0: <laughs> I watched. I once watched a group of uh, Swedish anti-fascists spend close to 35 minutes huddled up in a circle surrounded by blankets changing into street clothes so that they could disperse out of their like riot gear because that's how completely obsessed with hiding their identities they were. I guarantee you it's not fucking John T. Florida in his like MAGA hat carrying the Capitol podium, whatever, like a football (laughs) trophy. Like it's, that's not anti-fascists. That's, just the fucking idiot dude who runs your local car dealership probably, or like your ca- chiropractor or whatever the fuck. Like this is not-
1: or, po- or possibly your local police officer. Or
0: possibly most of your local police force. Yeah. yeah. So- uh,
1: But there are there are also other people in there which are, broadly speaking, the grifters. And I think this is the really tragic part of it, um, which is that there are people there who are attempting to- Obviously, many people there attempt to grow their own followings, but there's an awful lot of people there who primarily care about what they can take from this movement. Yes, um, I think uh, I think that is that is I think the saddest part of it, and the number of them that are there to lead everyone down this garden path, and they go, "Whoa, didn't mean that, honest." Um, but you know, continue to donate to my uh, what's the uh, what's the fascist one that they use the Patreon. F- Hatreon, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Continue to, date to my, donate to my Patreon.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, let's be very real. People like Jack Posobiec, people like Ian Miles Chong, people like Tim Pool, people like Mike Cernovich, they don't give a shit about anyone that follows them, anyone that like consumes their content, anyone that watches or reads them. They don't even really give a shit about Trump. They give a shit about fame. They give a shit about money. They are all trying to, like, crawl back to the center and pretend like they didn't cause this. But they did. They did cause this. They spent five-plus years egging this on. To watch someone like Ian Miles Chung, who, if you're not familiar with him, he is a miserable little bastard who made his name uh, starting Gamergate. And he is now trying to reinvent himself as this, like, thoughtful OAM center-right commentator. He has spent years driving this shit up and like getting people riled up and, 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 and stoking this division. Mike Sternovich is another one. Tim pool built his entire reputation on riot porn and filming, you know, violence and and claiming that like, you know, they need to steal back, you know, freedom and free speech and all this nonsense. And these people, they don't care about what happened yesterday. They're only they're, they're Ironically, they're the ones that always claim that, you know, people are virtue signaling. This is virtue signaling. That's what this is. They're just—they're trying yeah. to like wash their hands of it. And in this case, it's actual blood. Like I don't think it's like—I don't think it's an overreaction to say that, that they contributed to that woman's death yesterday. I went through her Twitter account, and like it is all just like Jack Posobiec and Rebel Media and Breitbart and all this shit. And they can't—they can't undo that. They can't bring—they can't—they can't un kill her they can't bring they can't they can't fix the capital building they can't undo what they did and i'm sorry to rant about it but like those grifters like they wouldn't even be in this position if these platforms didn't allow them to be that's the other thing
1: yeah platforms have built a situation in which the more passionate your audience the more money you make the more fame you get and therefore it is within your interest to make your followers as emotional as possible and those emotions are as many studies have proved more powerful they the negative yes uh Anger is more powerful than, uh, I don't want the opposite, anger is love. That's not right. Uh, love is happiness? Happiness. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they have all of these followers who are who are angry and they make them angry and angry and angrier. And then they do something and they go, like, whoa, didn't mean that, honest, but also continue to donate to me. And it's just, yeah, There's it is a platform problem and it is a platform problem that they are building algorithms and building systems that allow these people to succeed.
0: Yes. We've talked a lot on this show about how platforms create behavior based on incentive structures. Uh, We did that whole episode where you and I watched like a bunch of terrible Facebook videos for like an hour and talked about it. And like those videos only exist because Facebook promotes them. You look at a website like archive of our own, the biggest fan fiction place on the internet. Its incentive structure is for organization and for writing fan fiction and for creating new work, transformative works. And it does that very well. It incentivizes that behavior. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, they could have different incentives. They could reward users for different behavior. They do not. Everything that you see going viral on a platform is going viral on that platform because of the incentives in place to make it go viral. I don't want to be like a determinist and be like, you know, like, You don't control your own behavior, but like if a thing is going viral on a website, it means that the thing that's going viral was created in a way that fits that website enough to go viral, right? Like there's, there's no friction there. So, you know, the fact that Jack Posobiec has what, one or two million followers and is verified on Twitter, that means he's doing something right for that website. Like you, you, you don't get to remove yourself from that. You don't get to say, oh, this person's mega successful on the system's that I created, but like our systems are fine. That person is just really evil and they're different than us. No, you like you're part, you're in bed together.
1: Yeah. And it's, it also means that those platforms are watching these people get famous and go like, huh, they've exploited our system in this way. Well, interesting. I assume it's because they have, they are evil, not because our system is wrong. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And it's like, oh, they must be the exception. And it's like, no, they're not like, they can't be like, you can't get a million followers on a website without displaying the kind of behavior that fits what that website wants. Like, like at a fundamental level, you cannot do it. You cannot, you cannot become one of the most popular users in a social network unless you are acting in a way that is supported by the social network. Like you're just not going to get that far. You can't do it. I'm sorry. Like Twitter is Jack Pasoviak. It is not It is not in opposition to Donald Trump. Twitter is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is one of the biggest accounts on Facebook. Twitter and Facebook are Trump. They're not different. This is,
1: right. This is what it comes back to as well, which is that Trump is using the exact same mechanics to make this work. And yes. he used them the whole time. And, and one of the things where everyone talks about, like, it's crazy that Trump has a Twitter account. Everyone forgot that actually he was getting more engagement on Facebook. And I, I remember doing these numbers like way back in the day. Um, because, you know, Twitter is quite a direct thing. And, and, and as a result, you get less. You're, it, so engagements are less valuable on Twitter, arguably. Because no, yeah, they, they're, they're worthless. No one clicks yeah, yeah, yeah. through. No one does anything, yeah. But shares on Facebook, he was getting a lot more. And it was always that thing where people were like, oh my God, I can't believe Donald Trump's got 50,000 retweets out of whatever random thing he's retweeted from like Britain First or whatever it was. Yeah. But then you go on turn to Facebook and he was getting four times that. And right. Norm was really talking about it because journalists lived on Twitter, and 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 people who who are in this discourse live on Twitter. But the fact is, is it was the same thing working across every platform. It worked across Facebook. It worked across Twitter. It, I assume, it worked across Instagram. Like, yeah, and probably. I, uh, yeah, and it probably worked across YouTube as well. Like, I remember his some of his like live streams doing really well there. And it's all this stuff where what you end up with is you know YouTube saying or, or Facebook actually because um and it's the he came up during the Facebook live age. And I remember him doing a bunch of Facebook lives, which is insane because Facebook were saying, we are going to reward you doing live recordings. Therefore he's going to do a bunch of them. And he did it in order to, you know, lay the ground for a coup. <laughs> yes. He, yeah he, he is vi-
0: like, I actually got in like a very brief Twitter conversation with somebody. We were talking about Bean dead. Um, and they brought up like a very interesting point, which is that like Dionne Warwick has become very, very popular on Twitter, very, very fast. And Dionne Warwick, yep. if you're not familiar, Luke, because she's kind of like an American, she's kind of like a a, a, a very specifically kind of American celebrity, uh, where you know she was a singer, she was very popular. But in in for my generation, I know her from the '90s infomercials, um, which were called uh, the Psychic Friends Network. So Dionne Warwick basically like ran like a like a psychic hotline on on TV that you sure. could like call. Okay, did she? Yeah, in the '90s. This That's was crazy. Like a, this was a thing. Yeah, and it's interesting that she's become extremely popular on Twitter because she's kind of. Similar to Trump, where it's like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, social media in general, the the celebrities that sort of like are part of that kind of culture that sort of like that like pseudo celebrity, like kind of like campy trash culture that that's sort of like that 90s infomercial culture that that um, like celebrity real estate developer turned reality star host that sort of like that 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 blob of American ugliness that exists on TV here. They do really well on social media. And I don't think that's an accident. I think that is like part of the core way that social media is set up, that it is sensational. It is bombastic. It is fundamentally grotesque. Like it is populist in a way that is deeply irresponsible. It is rife with tiny little authoritarians and fascists because like, D-list TV is kind of fascist. Like it's, 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 um, it's hyper reality. It's, 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 it's not. It's right. It's, it's a simulacrum. Some you some some simulacrum. Sim, sim, simulacrum yeah some but, th- but
1: but this this is what this all comes back to which is that the people who become successful become successful for doing one thing very well and that's what's really hard it's quite hard to become incredibly famous for doing multiple things on a platform you need to build an audience that's very reactive to what you do and therefore you need to do it lots and lots and lots and lots of lots and if you go back across celebrities, dealwal is a good example because she's new and she's doing a fun thing that I'm not saying no one's done before but like it is a fun specific thing that deal Warwick iconic gospel singer is doing this yeah no, i'm not i'm right. not ragging yeah.
0: on deon warwick by the way like i, I think her account is share's account is also kind of like this where it's like it's kind of like funny and personable but also like hyper real you know
1: but it, it's similar, like, i'm trying to think of a, a, a james blunt is a good example back in the i don't know 2015 days uh he had a thing where his thing was like being like vaguely rude to his fans in a charming british way on twitter yes and you know, there was some pretty problematic stuff in there, but it was a very successful thing. But now every now and again, someone will retweet like one of his things into my feed. And I'm like, oh, oh, you're still doing this. And it's not nearly successful. No one's talking about it anymore. No one cares anymore. But you also can't really get out of it. Like he knows that he needs a little bit of that to stay relevant, you know, get uh, get the couple of contracts he's still working on, yada, yada, yada. But it's because you then become this brand and you become this, have this social media presence. And it's the same thing if you are a, Fascist, an aspiring fascist, or a, a genuine coup person. You're like, well, I'm just going to do coup things, and then you get more audience, and then you're driven into it, and you end up locked into this cycle because that is what the platform demands from you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been toying with this like very radical idea, which is that a website should only have a hundred percent verified users or a hundred percent unverified users. Um, <laughs> I I I eventually plan to expound upon this more in uh, a different format or medium but there is this really weird contradiction with Twitter and verification and Facebook actually in verification which is that they demand your real identity and yet they cannot be used successfully without without warping your identity like you cannot authentically use Facebook or Twitter
1: just to like be yourself and, and have what the, the, you cannot have what the platform considers success by being yourself. No.
0: And, and so the, and, but, but here's the other, here's the rub. You also can't be successful on these platforms by not being yourself. It is very hard (laughs) to do a character. It is very hard to, I mean, you can't, you can't really make a long-term success On one of these platforms without being authentic, without being relatable, without being, like, someone that, like, people would want to have a beer with. And it's like, well, guess what? If you have to be yourself and relatable, but also you cannot be yourself and relatable, you're describing propaganda. You're describing, like, like... Kids bop fascism. Like there's no (laughs) way to use these in a way that isn't socially destructive because everyone is constantly performing. And so what you get with like something like yesterday – is you have thousands of people who believe that they're doing a performance and they and they continue to believe they're doing a performance until a bullet goes through one of their necks and the rest of them are covered in her blood. And they're looking at TV cameras asking, what is going on? Why are we being tear gassed? Why are we eventually going to be arrested by the FBI in two weeks? And it's like, this was all a performance, right? This was all just something we were doing for like our live stream and we're going to take selfies and we're going to smash up like, you know... Uh,
1: it's a pantomime of fascism, but eventually it becomes real fascism,
0: yes, like like the the performance the just because you think you're doing a performance doesn't mean you are like and 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 these platforms cannot be used without that performative aspect. They just can't be like there's no way. like you and I know this from i mean, you invented the fucking word ambivert for traffic. <laughs>
1: I didn't invent it. It was a word that was out there, and I thought that it was a good, useful word that I could define people as. For, but I remember,
0: yeah. For background, Luke made a post that was like twenty-seven reasons, twenty-seven ways you know you're an ambivert, which is what is it in between a, an
1: um. It's it's your partly an extrovert, and partly introvert, which describes you know roughly ninety percent of people <laughs> in the world. In terms of, you know, sometimes you want to go out, sometimes you'd rather not. <laughs> It was, it was it was a beautiful horoscope of a post that a lot of people related to.
0: And I would say that it was, like, completely socially toxic because, like, yep. it's just, like, not real. And yet that's what you have to do. I mean, I remember the, like, conversations happening when, like, peak Facebook was going on where things would go, like, you know, millions of shares. And they were so mundane and they were so... Just like completely unprofessional, like like a minion meme about going to the dentist that would get like a million shares, <laughs> and publishers were like, "Well, we can't make this. Like, we can't, we can't, we can't do this um, because, like, to to make that stuff on purpose, you just have to be so inauthentic." Um,
1: what we're saying here is that minions did fascism. I mean, like, is it it's as good an explanation as any? I like it. <laughs>
0: All right, where do you think this is going to go?
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, I, I personally think that there will be more violence on Inauguration Day, but I also think that there will be a breaking of the fever after that. I think that the vaccinations will roll out in enough places that suddenly, you know, all the extra things adding attention to this, masks, all that stuff are going to die down people aren't going to feel as tense about it and I think by this time next year it will feel like a high watermark. I do think it's the high watermark with um, with a with the possibility that it gets it gets a bit higher in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think in the long term it's worse. I think there will be something that is significantly worse than this within the next decade because I don't see how the online platforms roll it back nor are they incentivized to and I think that that means that something worse than this has to happen. And I I mean a lot worse. I don't mean uh, they do the same thing but spend five hours and then not two. Like, I I think that something a lot worse will happen. But I also think that will will roll back simply because I mean, it has to. Like, I'm not going to predict the apocalypse. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's unlikely. But I equally, I don't 100% see the mechanics of how that does it other than the fever breaks, the pandemic goes away, which I also think has intensifies all of this, and people grow up... You know, the, the, today's 18-year-olds have a better understanding of the internet and understand this performance and therefore are less likely to take it quite so far. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I think what happened yesterday was a pretty serious shock to the system. I think... In the same way that Charlottesville, I actually think Charlottesville is a really good model for for where this is going. So like Charlottesville was kind of like Richard Spencer and um, a couple of the other the other like lame loser Nazi guys. They got together on Discord and they they put it together. And then when it happened, it actually turned out to be kind of a, a backfire for them. It 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 broke the movement into like a ton of different groups. That's how you ended up with like accelerationists and groupers yep. and. Your uh, daily caller people and, and all the, the all the new right. Right. I think t- yesterday is another good example of this happening where you have a lot of Republicans who are like, this is insane and I can't like stand for this anymore and I'm done. And I think we are looking very realistically at, at a future where a lot of uh, the senators that uh, opposed the uh, the election results, they they might resign. They might have to step down. I think there's going to be a, a big sch- – I think there will be a few schisms within the Republican Party. I think yesterday yeah. was very empowering though for gripers. Uh The young people who watching, I think they're like, this is fucking sick. Like this is great. This is exactly what we want. I think militias are more powerful than ever. Um, and I think we are looking very realistically at, at a, a Trump – led a Trump family led new political party that is also a media company. I think that is, that is very soon on the horizon. Um, and oh, yeah. I think the only thing that can really stop, you know, let's call it the, um, Let's call it the Q the the Q T party or something, right? Like the uh, like the or the uh, no, because that's Q T party. That's not right. Uh, no, it's the
1: quote. It's the quote tweet party.
0: Yeah, the quote tweet party. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. Let's call it the uh, fucking edge lord express party. They start appearing. Donald Trump Jr. He's there. They've got Ivanka there to like add a fake level of class. They're hobnobbing with Qanon Congress people, and yep. they're slowly building power. They've got like a nice little base. I I could see them having like a pretty serious political future uh, that doesn't actually cannibalize the Democratic Party or break, but actually just like makes the Republican Party like completely unstable, um, and that's the most optimistic I'm feeling. It's just that like this actually ends up meaning that like there just isn't a coherent right wing in America for like the next twenty years.
1: I understand how you get there. That just does I'm just no. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. Right. I'm, just being, I'm, <laughs> yeah. just
0: try, I'm just trying to be optimistic here. I think. I mean, the most pessimistic is that like bombs start detonating at major capital buildings around the country tomorrow and we enter a very dark period very quickly. That's 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 the super, super pessimistic take. Um, So, yep, let's do something fun. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane recently? (laughs)
1: See, the most interesting content I've consumed over the last couple of weeks is not content to stay same, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, uh, which is the uh, Spanish language movie on Netflix called The Platform. Oh, man. That movie have is you f- this? so gross. That movie is it's so gross. That movie is like, it is
0: so gross.
1: <laughs> it is, it is, it is, it's a really good movie. Uh, if you have not seen or heard of it, uh, the central principle of it is that a guy goes to prison uh, or goes to an experimental prison which is a series of floors uh, believed to be 200 plus high. Every cell is a floor uh, and there's a hole down the middle so you can look down and see all 200 cells below you or above you. Right. Then every day an enormous table of food starts moving down and it gets like three minutes or five minutes on each floor but so you know if you're on floor 1 you get a completely fresh table of food and by the time you're on floor 5 it's been eaten a bit and by the time you're on floor 50 it has been eaten quite a lot right uh and then it goes down and down and down and it is a it is a really dark movie uh that is also very I and mean, it's a very good metaphor
0: it is it's i liked it i thought i thought it was an interesting slightly more it's it's like snowpiercer but it's it's a little more streamlined of a metaphor. Like like Snowpiercer is a little little wackier, but because it's more streamlined of a metaphor, I thought the ending of Snowpiercer is like a little more interesting than the ending of the platform, which is a little, it's a little simple and I won't ruin it for people listening, but like, it's good. I mean, especially as long as you have like an okay ability to handle like graphic depictions of cannibalism, like it's (laughs) it's pretty good. Um, I was not expecting that much cannibalism in it, even though it's like, it's going to involve people eating each other. It's like, okay, but wow, there's a lot in there.
1: See, the cannibalism didn't get me so much as the, uh, I think it's the, there's a couple of other moments, like one of the, the times he wakes up and he's on a very low floor and he's tied down to a bed, uh, for, for cannibals some reasons uh and then he hears the people waking up up and down like near him who are all also on very low floors which means they're not going to get to eat for 30 days and every th- every 30 days you change floor so you, you and you're going to end up on a random floor right. sometimes you'll be up on floor two and it'll be great and sometimes you'll be on floor 150 and it'll be awful uh and then the people near him waking up on these low floors uh there's the shot of them all just jumping yes. from the floors that they're on yes which yes. is like that's really nasty
0: yeah, that movie is a is a challenge to get through. <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah, fun movie. Watched it over Christmas. It was great. Yeah,
0: good Christmas movie. Yeah, totally.
1: Uh, how about you? What content are you been consuming to say? Saying. Uh,
0: um. Okay, so, <laughs> um, I ended up on like a a manga kick. Um, I I okay. watched a Netflix show that was very good. Called Alice in Borderland uh basically like three friends they uh look up in the sky one day they see fireworks and then all of a sudden they are in uh an abandoned version this is live action Netflix show they're in an abandoned version of Tokyo and every night like this weird uh entity forces them to play like games that are like extremely violent um so like a game of tag involves like a mass shooting incident and you, and like or and you have to like wear things around your neck that explode if you try to leave the game like it's kind of like battle royale but like gamified, right. and the first eight episodes are on Netflix and I was like oh this is really good um and I desperately wanted to know what happened at the end of this so I found the manga and I read uh like sixty six chapters of it something like that.
1: That's uh, quite a lot.
0: Well, hold on. So so the I'm not going to spoil the ending here in case anyone wants to watch it, but it was mm, – uh, if anyone has read it uh, and wants to talk about the ending, DM me because I <laughs> desperately want to talk to someone about it because I, I have very, very complex feelings about it because uh, you finally find out like what happened and I'm like, uh, okay. Um, but then I was like Googling and I was like, okay, what's a thing like Alice in Borderland that has like a better ending? And then I found a Korean webtoon. Uh, called uh, Sweet Home, which also has a Netflix show, which I have not watched yet. But I then went on to read 140 chapters of Sweet Home, and it has a much better ending. The premise is basically like a kid wakes up in like a shitty apartment building one day, and everyone is turning into monsters. They get like crazy nosebleeds, and they become a monster. and Uh, a very typical kind of Korean story right now is like the apartment building story where like you meet all the wacky neighbors and they have to like accomplish a task together. And it's about class. Um, Parasite is kind of that same archetype, but like done in a house, but it's like the Korean apartment story. Anyways. Yeah. Sweet home is great. It is tremendous. I loved it. And what was super cool is I've never read a Korean webtoon before, which are mobile, they're mobile optimized. So it's, you scroll through it. You don't, it's not like a comic book. It's like panels that you scroll through.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So like, it was very easy to read 140 chapters of it because you're just scrolling through the whole
1: right, thing. Right. So it's it's basically just an extremely long scroll.
0: Uh. Well, each chapter is like one scroll and then you hit next and you scroll to the next okay. one. Okay. But it's, okay
1: that's good that's good yeah. it's
0: super cool i've never i've never actually uh explored that at all so um if anyone listening also has any good manga Rex or webtoon me- uh, recs let me know <laughs> uh i i i'm kind of into it now i'm I, I, you know pandemic's not over yet might as well uh, keep going so
1: yeah yeah plow through the p- manga
0: um Thank you guys uh, for putting up with our two-week hiatus. Hopefully, it wasn't super annoying. And uh, I saw that a few of you signed up for our Patreon and are now listening through the other post-post-credit scene episodes. Thank you for doing that. This week, we are dropping the second-to-last movie in the DC Entertainment Universe segment that we're currently exploring. uh, Birds of Prey, uh, the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. And then after that, we'll be doing Wonder Woman 1984, which I've heard is not very good and kind of problematic um uh so yeah this is gonna be fun (laughs) i'm interested in that movie um seems like a real step back for this universe uh once we're finished with the dc universe i'm thinking about a cool way of like packaging it and sort of putting it out there for people to to listen to our journey through it um and then we'll be we'll be starting a new universe uh i think we settled on fast and the furious is the new franchise
1: i think so i think so Uh, but if someone has a better suggestion then let us know because uh yeah
0: thank you guys for listening thank you guys for yeah, thank uh you. for subscribing for supporting us through the last year it's been really incredible uh it's been great to meet all of you and um hopefully uh this week wasn't too uh frightening and insane for you guys <laughs> so yeah all right let's hop into the other podcast okay i'm gonna go over to the other podcast and we can talk about harley quinn now Bye-bye.
1: bye bye bye